Now, with the latest from the world of technology, this is the Tech Guide Podcast with Stephen Fennick. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading once again. Tech Guide. Well, without a doubt, the biggest tech story of the week. Tech Guide. It's a very competitive market, the smartphone market. Keeping you updated and educated. This is a device that combines a tablet, a laptop, and a sketchpad. This is the Tech Guide Podcast. This is the future. Wireless earphones. Tech Guide. What you see is what you get. Quality is obvious. Now, from the studios of techguide.com.au, Stephen Fennick. Tech Guide, episode 270. Hello and welcome to the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. Thank you for listening and thank you once again for downloading. Our first time listeners, we're glad you found us. Welcome aboard. We hope you enjoy the show. My name is Stephen Fennick and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, has Wi-Fi security been cracked wide open? We go behind the scenes at Samsung's headquarters in South Korea and how fake Apple ID pop-ups could steal our passwords. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Ring Doorbell 2 and Ring Floodlight Cam. We'll also talk about the new EvaSmart personal air conditioner and the new Kindle Oasis e-reader with a bigger display and waterproof design. And we'll wrap things up with the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, Australia's number one brand of home Wi-Fi products, and Norton, the company to help keep you and your family safe online. A bumper show planned, so we're just going to dive straight in. Well, there was an alarming announcement uh, yesterday regarding the security of our Wi-Fi, and in particular, WPA2 protocol, and that stands for Wi-Fi Protected Access. Now, the news doing the rounds yesterday was the fact that a security expert named Matthew Van Hoff has fa- had found a vulnerability that could render that WPA2 security useless. It would crack it wide open, and if a hacker using a bug that's uh, known as CRACK, that's K-R-A-C-K, short for Key Reinstallation Attack, any hacker with that with that piece of software could exploit the flaw in WPA2. Now, how it works now, the existing protocol gives a four-way handshake whenever a device tries to join the network. And by using the password, the password then passes along the action of that four-way handshake for that device to securely join the network. So what crack this this bug has allowed it to do is to get around that encryption and so that a person could possibly see everything you're looking at to take over your connection and even add their own content for you to view on their network. Matthew Van Hoff, in his report, said this. I'm going to quote him. All protected Wi-Fi networks use the four-way handshake to generate a fresh session key. So far, this 14-year-old handshake has remained free from attacks. However, we show the four-way handshake is vulnerable to a key reinstallation attack. Here, the adversary tricks a victim into installing into reinstalling an already in-use key. This is achieved by manipulating and replaying handshake messages. We confirmed our findings in practice and found that every Wi-Fi device is vulnerable to some variant of our attacks. That is what he said 
every Wi-Fi device. Now, there was a little bit of complicated jargon in there, the manipulating and replaying handshake messages. Basically, if a person has this bug, the crack bug, to get around your encryption, it's the equivalent of someone walking down a street of full of houses and having a key to open every door on the street to every house on the street. And it is like that person could come into your house, read every document that you own, including your bank statements and all of this stuff, without you even knowing it. That That's kind of the physical equivalent of what's happened here. So that, that that's pretty alarming. And no doubt there's going to be people a lot smarter than me trying to figure out a way to patch this to go to the next level of encryption. This is, there is a, there was already back in 2001, the original encryption was the WEP, which is short for Wide Equivalent Privacy. Now, that was, that was cracked back in 2001. Now, you probably don't remember that because in 2001, there weren't a hell of a lot of people using Wi-Fi. A lot less than there were today. There were there were no smartphones back then. Two thousand and one, we didn't get smartphones till two thousand and six seven. So back then there were no, not too many people joining Wi-Fi networks on laptop computers and uh, smartphones and tablets. So that kind of went under the radar. Well, today's a totally different story because everyone's on Wi-Fi. Every product's on Wi-Fi. Phones, computers, even our TVs. And Internet of Things devices, our smart devices, are all out there on Wi-Fi. So, yes, it is alarming, but what 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 do we do? Well, staying off Wi-Fi and, and barricading yourself in your, into your bedroom, no need to do that right now. Now, we should point out that this is what they call a proximity risk. So the attacker needs to be on your network. So if they want to hack your home network... They'd need to have this encryption, this this crack outside your house on a laptop targeting you. So the chances of that are pretty low, but it's still out there. It's un- unlike other internet threats where you could be hacked from the other side of the world. So this is different to that because that that person needs to be on the same on the same platform as you, as the same on the same network. So. Should we just ignore this and just hope it doesn't happen to us? Well, not really, because it doesn't take much for this to spread. And hackers will no doubt be ganging up and trying to crack open wireless networks that were previously secured to see what they can find in there. So it isn't, it, we should be alert, not alarmed at this point. But I think hopefully uh, the, there will be a solution to this issue. So. What do we do now? Uh, visiting secure websites are still safe. So if you see a site that starts with HTTPS, that's uh, that's a secure site. That's still safe. So there's no way they can crack that link between your device and that safe uh, safe that network, the safe site. Uh, using a VPN, that's virtual private network, which is kind of your own private tunnel into the internet, that may also make you invisible if there happens to be an intruder on the network. So we've, we've mentioned it, and our sponsors, Norton, have a product called Norton's Wi-Fi Security, where if you are on, say you're at the airport on an open network, and someone could be sitting on that network and snooping whatever you're doing, that they can already do that now. That's because it's an open network. If there was a a secure network, that's where this issue would come in. The WPA, this protocol has been broken. So that's where they could see what you're doing. So you might be at home on your own network, secured with a password, 
and this bug, this crack, uh, could someone could possibly look at everything you're doing and look at things on your network. So VPN, yeah, that might have some give you some protection. If you're using a smartphone, uh, it would be safer to use the cellular network rather than Wi-Fi in this scenario. Uh, so if there is talk of it coming to Australia or the network's been compromised here, using the cellular network, so using your data, in other words, on the cellular network is would be safe, uh, and safer than Wi-Fi anyway at this point. So what what happens now? What do we do next? The this encryption protocol drama. I think there'll be. It's it's not it's not like we can say um, let's just write another one because there isn't another one because the lock. This is like a virtual lock we've been using for fourteen years, and no one had thought of creating another lock because there hadn't been an issue with this lock. So now there is an issue with this lock. I'm sure there'll be ways for the maybe the four-way handshake maybe updated to a six-way handshake, an eight-way handshake. As many ways as you need, but easier said than done. It takes a bit of work. Uh, so the last time I remember I was talking about in 2001 when this happened, it took a long time for the routers with the new WPA2 protocol to appear. So hopefully, if if that's necessary, if we need to go to WPA3, for example, that the router companies can deploy that quickly, can maybe even make it possible to upgrade our firmware on our routers to get around it as well. But again, not, not everyone knows how to do that. So there's going to be quite an education process, and I'm happy to play that part through Tech Guide uh, if, if that is in fact the case. I'd be very happy to to inform people that there was a, a fix. Uh, until then, we just need to sit tight and see what the security experts come up with. But if you want to read more about this and understand it a little more, hopefully I've explained it uh, pretty clearly. If you want to check it out, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennick. It's only been a few days since I returned from Seoul in South Korea where I visited the Samsung headquarters. Uh, Samsung headquarters is located in Suwon City, which is just outside Seoul, about an hour outside Seoul, taking the traffic into account. And it is located in a campus, a university-sized campus with 30,000 employees and scattered across a number of ultra-modern buildings where the different departments reside. We're talking there's a mobile department, wearables, Digital appliances, mobile—they're all housed in their own in their own buildings. Uh, the campus itself uh, lo- looks like a, looks like a small suburb. It has its own hospital. It has its own uh, soccer team. It has its own chain of restaurants. I think there's a Domino's Pizza there. So they've got their own restaurants, as you would in any other suburb. And of course, all the buildings have their own food courts, just like you would at a shopping centre. So th- this the size of the operation was was really surprising. The the the, the sheer the breadth of the company. Uh, spread across all of these campus buildings was very, very impressive. 
Uh, not only that, it, it was really interesting to be inside. Like we've all heard of Samsung. Uh, we've probably owned Samsung products. So maybe it's a TV, it's a mobile, there's a fridge, it's a washing machine, a robot vacuum cleaner, a wearable device. Uh, there's plenty of products that are out there, and uh, it did give me a bit of an insight into the character of the company. I'll talk a little bit later about uh, we had a chat with um, with their head of global marketing for mobile. That's an interesting story he had to tell about uh, the repositioning of the brand. Uh, but the, the we did also talk to uh, the people from the wearable department and how moving forward the wearable is going to play a bigger role in our lives and in, in our health. Uh, I did also have a chance to talk to uh, the designer, one of the designers, and the color and material designer for the Note 8, the recently released smartphone from Samsung. And they gave us a bit of an insight into, well, how do they come up with that with that design? And uh, it, it was very much a case of really sort of peeling back the layers and to the, they say it was, we had to peel everything to the essence to make everything that was included had had to be of value. Uh, and that sort of led into this sort of the whole sort of the theme of neutrality and how it had to embody the design philosophy of the company and uh, have a harmonious design that blends everything together. So this is designer speak. So at the end of all this post, this pondering, then they had a, a direction to how the design would look. So they wanted to uh, obviously have the latest technology, but also it had to appeal to the customer. So it had to look nice and had to function well. Uh, and one of the things that the, the themes of their of their design approach was they wanted nothing to get in the way of the content. They wanted the customer to have no barriers. So hence the reason why the S8 and now the Note 8 have what they call their infinity display, where the bezels are being trimmed back and, and it's virtually no buttons, no edges to the screen but nothing but you and the device uh, so they wanted to create what they called a refreshingly open feeling sort of the moment that you turn it on uh, and they wanted all the hidden tech hidden tech and all the enhanced functionality to to be there but without you having to know it's there you just expect it to be there and it will work it was it was really interesting and then they spoke about of course about the colors and the materials they used and how it had to have a high density polish and give it a bit of a glaze so it looks like a premium product so it was it was remarkable to hear that side of the story another thing that impressed me too well they revealed that the design process for a phone and in this case the note 8 begins 24 months ahead of release. So that's two years where they start thinking about the product and it takes that long to design it, to refine it through the engineers. Because you've got to remember there's there's designers and then there's engineers who need to make sure they can actually make what they've designed. And then vice versa, they the designer wants to, the, the engineer's got to think of the physical restrictions. The designer may be sketching on paper, but they've got to actually make this thing. So there's a lot of back and forth between the designers and the engineers. Uh, there was an interesting question about that, actually, and anyone who owns a Note 8, and even an S8 for that for that matter, one of the, one of the things that bug Note 8 users and even S8 users is the fact that the fingerprint reader on the back of the phone is not in the middle of the product. Not other other devices with a fingerprint reader, it sits in the dead center of the phone. It's really easy to find. When the, in the case of the Note 8 and the S8, it's actually in the upper right-hand corner where you've got to stretch your finger. And someone was asked, well, why was that decision made? And the answer to that was that 
they didn't want all the elements in the back of the phone. We're talking a dual lens camera, a flash, and the fingerprint reader. They wanted to group all the elements together to to form a simpler, a more simple back panel. They didn't want all these features scattered around. So in this instance, it's obvious that the designers they had they they scored the win over the engineers. Naturally, the engineers would have wanted it in the middle to make it easier, uh, but the engineers thought no. Aesthetically, it didn't look as good uh, to them, so th- they won that battle. That's just a, one example of uh, of the insights that we got, and and obviously we spoke about colours and what different regions, what colours they like, uh, all, all of these things, which I'm going to detail on Tech Guide if you want to hear a little bit more. But one of the really interesting chats that we did have was with Pio Shunka, who is the head of their global their global marketing for mobile, and he really uh, sort of spoke to us about the the design, sort of the, the brand's journey. He was saying things like that they really wanted to build on their engineering DNA and make it a global iconic brand. So they were where they were coming from. They wanted to to sort of redefine the company's philosophy or re, to reinforce the company philosophy. Because you got to remember, Samsung started as a company. They were a grocery store in the 1930s. Post-war, during difficult economic times, it was created to help fellow countrymen, so fellow Koreans, find employment. So at that time, in the family that set it up, their philosophy was working for the benefit of the country, for the people. So that has carried through to today. And it was it's Samsung, their pretty ambitious philosophy, turns out that it was that was what inspired the name of the company. Samsung is two Korean words put together, Sam meaning three. Uh, which which they in their culture signifies greatness, and sung, which means stars, so three stars, so stars to shine brightly. So Samsung means three stars, and if you look at their early products, we're talking products back in the seventies and early eighties, the the logo actually had three stars in it. Uh, so that that was really interesting to find that out as well. But the whole global exercise to build the Samsung brand uh, was going along swimmingly uh, when they first started. They had the the S6, the S7. They were flying along. Uh, and, and But they, they hit a little bit of a roadblock about a year ago in the shape of the Note 7. Now, what that did, it stopped the company in its tracks. And and P.O. Shunker, to his credit, was actually quite candid about, he gave us a great inside view of of what happened with the company. And it was was obviously a, a, a jarring thing for the company. And the battery malfunction that caused them to discontinue the Note 7 was obviously a traumatic experience for the company. But they knew... They were. They said. Uh, he said that they they are a company that favours action and not just introspection. So they knew, rather than and this is his quote, rather than just curling up in the fetal position and not take action, we had to move. Uh, so the first thing they did uh, was to take accountability. And to the company's credit, they they were open and transparent about the whole thing. And you'll be able to read more about this as well on Tech Guide as well. This full story is going to be up there on the site. 
but he really took us inside uh, what the company went through and how far they've recovered. Now, you, you can recall when, when the phone was actually pulled off the market in October, a few months later, they had a press conference, a, a detailed press conference, which outlined every problem they found with the battery that also uh, instigated the eight-point battery check. But at the time, they were saying that they even though they were acting quite, they were pretty bold and, and, and open and transparent about the whole thing, they didn't know what was wrong. They were kind of flying blind. They knew they owed it to their customers and their customer safety that action had to be taken, but they were still not aware of the exact cause of the problem. So it was quite a time for them to not only get back to, get get to the bottom of the problem, to tell people about the problem, take action about that problem. In this case, it's the assurance program, the eight-point battery check. But then they had another thing to do, and that's launch another phone, which was the S8 back in March, followed by the Note 8, which was just a couple of months ago. And in that time, they've actually seen the brand rebuild and reach almost back to the point of the pre-Note 7 period where the trust and love of the brand is almost back to where it was less than a year ago, which is remarkable when you consider the the size of this issue that w- this this similar problem would have possibly crippled uh, another company. But Samsung, they, they stuck it out. They really sort of put, they, they accepted full responsibility for it. They, they did something about it. They even got in independent investigators to just to prove how open and transparent they were, and it got them back on the rails. And that was that was the they overcame that challenge of not knowing what had happened, trying to find the cause, uh, and, and then to remedy that problem and bring the company back to where they once were. Fascinating it was. I've also, uh, all, and, and this will be detailed on Tech Guide as well. I also got a chance to visit their audio lab. They've actually got a studio at Samsung headquarters so that every noise that comes out of a Samsung product, whether it's a ringtone, whether it's a, a warning sound, or any noise that any of their products makes has been designed in their audio lab. They've got a sound design lab that that designs what they call their auditory user interface. So sound to them is of course a universal language it doesn't it you, no matter what language you speak sound should be able to convey what you want it to convey so in in, in this instance I'll, I'll give you an example if you're say turning the uh, temperature down on an air conditioner it should make a sound that suggests yes it's going down or if you're turning something on or off it'll give you that impression that Yes, I've just turned that off, or yeah, that's, that's on. It's like a powering up sound rather than a powering down sound. So there's all these things that we kind of take for granted, but someone actually had to come up with these and think about them. The other person I met was Mr. Yoon, who is a composer, and anyone who owns a Samsung phone will know that the theme of their phone, and I won't play it now because my Samsung phone is on. Actually, what I'll, I'll turn my, my Samsung phone on, so by the time I uh, finish talking about this, I can actually play it. The theme song is called Over the Horizon. And anyone who's ever owned a Samsung phone, 
uh, streamed a Samsung event, been at a Samsung event, will know this song. And the person who, who created it is a gentleman by the name of Mr. Yoon. And he was there. We met him. And every year, they actually redo that theme. They slightly tweak it. They bring in other artists. They, they brought in a, a young British artist. I think his name's Jacob Collier. They brought him in to to, uh, to have a crack at the uh, the over the horizon song. So uh, it would it would then be used. Jacob Collier, his name is. It would be used then on the the Note Eight, and also at the Note Eight event. So each Samsung phone always has an updated over the horizon theme. Now I'm just going into my settings now, so I can actually play you the song I'm th- I'm talking about. And over the, as soon as you hear it, you're going to know it. Here it is right now. I'm going to play it for you. Does that not sound familiar, you Samsung users? That is Over the Horizon, and that was the song that Mr. Yoon has composed. And I bet he's doing pretty well out of that. Every time, every phone it's on, he probably gets a little little commission every time it's used and every phone it's used on. So good luck to him. But if you want to read more about any of those stories about Samsung, keep an eye on techguide.com.au. Well, I know there's been a, a fair bit of doom and gloom, especially after the uh, the wireless protocol story that we opened the show with. But uh, we don't want to pile on any more doom and gloom. But there is, though, a story about the fake Apple ID pop-ups that could steal your password and your credit card details. This was a story that I wrote uh, late last week, and it came from a developer who revealed the fact that it is possible, if you're an app developer, to fake the Apple ID pop-up. Now, anyone who owns an iPhone will notice, uh, will, will recognize the pop-up that comes up that says sign into the iTunes store uh, to continue enter the password, and there's a little room for your password, then you hit sign in. It was revealed by a developer that uh, you could actually fake this within your app so that you could gather passwords. And if you've got the login email, the Apple ID email with the password, then it's a free-for-all. You can dive in and check out any information, including credit card details. Well, I should point out that this was a theory, so developers have the ability to do it. It hasn't happened yet, but it is possible for a developer today to design an app that can pop up this fake ID pop to fake ID pop-up and capture your password. It's it's like a phishing attack. That's spelled with a PH. Phishing attacks are where uh, the, the most common example is an email that appears to be from your bank and says, there's a problem with your, with your account. We need your username and password for you to get to the bottom of it. And so a lot of people have been fooled into thinking, oh, okay, I better enter my username and password and send it away. I don't want any problems. And they've just given a hacker their username and password. This is this works in a similar way where if you're in the middle of an app and this pops up, they could potentially capture your password. And if even if you've typed in your password and not hit sign in, that window would still be able to capture the text that you've entered, even if you haven't hit sign in. So if you suddenly then delete it, you, you, you may, it may already be too late. So how do you know if it's real? And by the way, I should repeat, this hasn't happened yet, but it is possible for it to happen. 
So if, if in fact it does happen, here's what you can do to see if that Apple pop-up, uh, ID pop-up is real. First thing you do, close the app. If you're using an app and this pop-up appears, if you, if you close the app and the pop-up closes with it, you know it was fake. Normally the pop-ups are visible on iOS when it's on a home screen. And what happens is that you can't hit the home screen with the pop-up comes up because it works on a different process to the app. So you've got to hit cancel before you hit the home button. If you've hit the home button and that app uh, pop-up disappears, it's fake. So uh, the other thing you can do to assure, ensure that you're not being duped is to enter your details. Don't enter them in the pop-up. Cancel that. Go to the settings and do it. They can't fake the settings, but they can fake the pop-up. So uh, just a couple of things to keep in mind. Now, Apple are very, very, very strict about the apps that become part of its app store. And they've been known to reject apps for even the most minor things. They might, there might be uh, it doesn't run properly or there, there's something, it might crash or something minor uh, where they've knocked an app back. So you can let let alone it being able to expose your information. Apple are pretty smart. They can detect all the this code that would maybe uh, allow this pop up to occur. So I'd say there'd be some strong filtering going on out there. So very very unlikely that it could happen, but there is a slight chance it could. And we want you to be prepared just in case it does. If you want to read more about that story, you can check it out at techguide.com.au. Tech Guide. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Netgear, Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. They've just released Orbi, the world's first tri-band Wi-Fi system. Orbi gives you reliable, secure, and crazy fast Wi-Fi to every inch of your home. That's right, everywhere. No more dead zones upstairs, no drop connections, just better Wi-Fi across the board. Orbi reaches up to 370 square meters through Wi-Fi barriers like walls, stairs, and doors. With a dedicated internet connection, Orbi helps prevent buffering while streaming your favorite movies and shows. No matter how many devices are connected... You have ultra-fast Wi-Fi speeds. The Orbi Tri-Band Wi-Fi system works with your existing modem to maximise the speed you're paying for. Orbi's sleek design and state-of-the-art technology steals the show. It gives your home a superior Wi-Fi network that's both easy to set up and elegant to display. With just a couple of clicks, your secure Wi-Fi network will be ready in no time. For more information, visit netgear.com.au. Orbi, better Wi-Fi everywhere. Tech Guide. Now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennick. Our first review for the week is the Ring Video Doorbell 2, and we've also chucked in the Ring Floodlight Cam as well. Now, anyone uh, has probably seen the TV commercials for Ring. Uh, I think the guy, the, the head of the company is in the ad, and he says, with Ring, you're always home. And that's right, because it's made it possible to answer your front door from anywhere. And now, with the Ring Video Doorbell 2, the great product, the great Ring product, 
is now even better. So yes, it's really convenient. So you can talk to anyone who comes to your front door. You may be expecting a package and you're not home. You might tell the to the, the delivery man or woman, uh, leave it at the front door. I'm just upstairs. Or there might be someone at your door sussing out the place and you'll say, look, I'm just I'm upstairs. I'm not interested in what you're selling, mate. See you later. Uh, so it does offer not only that convenience, but also security. So you know exactly who's coming at your front door. And it's not just if someone presses the doorbell. It can also detect motion. So if there's any motion near your front door, this can pick it up and you can receive a notification, just like you can receive a notification if you uh, if someone rings the doorbell as well. Now, the Ring 2 uh, has the option of being hardwired. So if there's power to your front door, you can hardwire it so you won't have to worry about the rechargeable battery. Uh, in our case, we actually don't have power to our door, so we have the rechargeable battery model. And the good thing is, though, that Ring 2 is actually a lot easier to charge than the original Ring. With the original Ring, you had to unscrew two uh, screws at the bottom, take the whole doorbell off the wall and plug that into charge. With now with Ring 2, all you need to do is unscrew one screw and just pop out the battery and just charge the battery. So it makes it a little bit easier, uh, but you still, if you need to recharge it, it still takes about the same time. Uh, the other improvement too is the quality of the video. Now the original was 720. This is full HD, that's 1080p, so you can see quite clearly and even zoom in on different areas of the video. So it picks up faces, number plates, a lot of detail in the video. And of course, you can talk to whoever's at your front door. So if you are, uh, there's a postman there or someone there, uh, you can talk, uh, there's two-way audio where you can talk to them in real time. The other thing you can do with Ring 2 as well is have what they call live view. So before you could only see through the doorbell camera when someone rang the doorbell. Now you can just uh, trigger the camera to look through and see whatever's out there, even if someone hasn't rung the doorbell. So that's really handy as well. Uh, it, it, I can't stress how much uh, this would enhance the security of your home. I mentioned burglars before. They are These are what they call opportunistic criminals. If they see no one home, no one's around, hasn't been much movement around your house, uh, they'll often just ring the doorbell to suss out the situation to see if anyone's home. If they suddenly hear your voice coming out of that doorbell, then they're going to move to the next place. They're not going to stay there. So uh, that, that is another thing to consider. The microphone's really clear. Uh, that's, that's another improvement. The two-way audio is really sharp. You can, you can easily make yourself heard. I've spoken to people at my front door from the other side of the world. That's how well it works through the excellent app that can be installed on your phone or on your computer. So you can actually chat to anyone uh, as long as you've got your phone or connection. You can talk to anyone at your front door from anywhere. You can also set the motion zones as well so it's not too sensitive. You, know, you don't want to be picking up movement in your neighbor's yard or cars on the street and things like that. So uh, really, really big improvement. But the what we really like, though, about the Ring system is the ability to include other accessories. And in this case, we included the Ring floodlight cam. So this is a camera. It is also a, a light as floodlight uh, camera. It's also a has two quite bright floodlights. It also has a siren built in as well. Also has two-way audio, so you can talk to whoever's in front of the camera. Uh, and the alarm, you can trigger that uh, if you want. It's got a 110 decibel alarm, so it could really scare people off your property if you happen to see someone snooping around. Uh, it is uh, sensitive to motion, of course, so it'll set off the lights. It'll also give you a notification with the motion as well. So 
a lot of things, a lot of boxes. This this ex- accessory ticks can uh, it can replace existing floodlights. Connects to standard junction boxes too. So you need an electrician to do it, unless you're pretty handy uh, as a sparky yourself. You can do it, but uh, in my case, I got an electrician in to to do it. I'm I got no I'm no good on the tools there when it comes to handling uh, electric wires and things like that. So an expert did it for me. Didn't take a very long at all. Uh, it, it replaced an existing floodlight. So not too hard at all. Now, if you want to uh, maintain your videos, so if you want to access your videos for up to 60 days, that's two months, you can subscribe for $40 a year, which is pretty cheap, or 150 a year, and that'll give you unlimited cameras for you to check in on. So 40 bucks a year for a single camera, 150 a year for unlimited cameras. And in this case, we had uh, our front doorbell and our, our, our floodlight cam we put on the side of the house. So our, our ring of security, our range of security was enhanced even further. The ring doorbell too uh, is priced at 329 bucks. The ring floodlight cam is actually more expensive. It's 379 bucks. So 329 for the ring two, 379 for the floodlight cam. Uh, you know, it's a bit of an investment. They're not cheap. So you're spending more than $700 here if you wanted to get, get uh, all installed. But I think uh, at that price, you are investing in, in your home security, uh, not, not to mention the convenience it will provide. And what price do you want to put on that? The security of your home and your family, I think uh, it's definitely a price worth paying, uh, that, that amount of money to have these installed. Just to give you the peace of mind, I think it's worth the money just to give you peace of mind, not only, of course, uh, as well as the convenience of being able to talk to anyone at your front door. If you want to read our complete review of the Ring 2 and the Ring Floodlight Cam, you know where to find it, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Finnick. Now, we're coming up to summer, and I thought I would uh, talk about a product that is called the Eva Smart. Now, this is what they're calling your personal air conditioner. Now, what this does, it creates this, this great zone. It cools, humidifies, and purifies the air in a personal space of up to four square meters. So uh, the cooling effect, like a real air conditioner, like an air conditioner, they're what they call evaporative air conditioners, but it's because it evaporates water and the cooling effect of that is what creates the air conditioner. In this case, the Eva Smart uses a cellulose pad in these cartridges that can absorb 100 times more water than a conventional evaporative air conditioner. So that means this small portable unit can actually generate quite a high level of cooling power, uh, a lot more than the bulkier units. So uh, with summer just around the corner, uh, I thought this would be a terrific product to have around the house. So rather than spending potentially thousands of dollars on a on either a, a, a wall air conditioner or a fully ducted air conditioning system. Uh, this could really do the trick if you just want to cool yourself in, in the lounge room or the bedroom. Uh, this would work a treat, especially in summer. You know, those hot, sticky nights where it's very hard to sleep, this would be an absolute treasure to have in your home. The Eva Smart, uh, it is, the dimensions of it, it's, it's 184 millimetres by 217 millimetres by 207 millimetres. So it's it's about the size, a bit bigger than, it's like a square shoebox size, maybe slightly larger than that. It also supports uh, smart connected home systems as well. So you'll be able to control it with your voice. You'll be able to control it with Google Home, Google uh, Samsung Smart Things, Apple Home Kit, Amazon Alexa when we get it. There's a dedicated app as well, so you can control the cooling and airflow settings. 
uh, and the, each cartridge has a three to six month life. Don't know how much cartridges cost, but when I get my hands on it and do a full review, we'll talk about that then. Uh, it's pretty cool looking as well, and uh, it's it's uh, available in two colours, white or coal black or grey, actually three colours, grey, black or white, and the front is actually LED lighting, so you can actually change the look of the front of the product, uh, change the light in the front of the product to match your home or office interior as well. Eva Smart is available now. It's $360 from the Eva Polar website, and if you do want to cool yourself down without breaking the bank, I think this is a, a product that you should look at. You want to check it out. There's pictures of it at techguide.com.au. Now, I'm a big reader. I love reading. And funny thing, though, is that despite how techy I am, I do have an e-reader. I do have a Kindle Oasis, the original Kindle Oasis. Uh, but I, I do read a lot of books on my Kindle. But I also love physical books. I love the feel of a book in my hand, even the smell of a book in my hand. I'm very tactile when it comes to my books, but I don't have all my books. Uh, I don't buy books all the time, the actual copy of the book. I do have a lot of books on my e-reader, and with all the traveling that I do, rather than taking five books with me, I can take a thousand books with me on an e-reader. Now, Amazon has just unveiled its latest e-reader, and that's the Kindle Oasis, the new Kindle Oasis. And what they've done here is they've made the screen bigger, seven inches, and that's 300 PPI pixels per inch. So you can fit 30% more text on the screen. So that means fewer page turns. But even if you do have to turn the page, it is also the fastest page turn of any previous Kindle device. So text looks really sharp, just like you're reading a printed page. And it has this uniform display lighting so that it adapts to the conditions. And there's also no glare. So unlike you reading a tablet, for example, say you took an iPad by the pool, uh, if there's a lot of sun about, it's going to be quite glary and it's going to be hard to read. That's not a problem with the Kindle Oasis because it has this paper white screen. So it looks like paper and can adapt to the conditions as well. It's got these ambient light sensors, so can can adjust that automatically. Now, the design of the Oasis is uh, similar to the original, just bigger, and it tapers to just 3.4 millimeters at its thinnest point. And the center of gravity, so still the center of the book, is, is like the spine of a real book. So if you're holding it in your hand, the thicker part of the Kindle Oasis is what rests in your palm, like the spine of a real book. So they've given that a lot of thought. What you also get here is waterproof design. So you can, this this has got uh, an IPX8 rating, so it can be immersed in up to two meters of water for up to an hour. Uh, and you can also handle a splash at the beach with salt water and also in the bath or by the pool. So uh, if you happen to be reading in the bath or you you buy the pool and you get a splash, no problem there at all. It's also covered with the strongest cover glass ever used for a Kindle. It also has a strong aluminium rear panel. So this thing can go anywhere and can handle anything. Now, there are two storage options for the Kindle Oasis, 8 gig, which is twice the original. The original only had four. Still a lot of room for books. Uh, and there's also a 32 gig version. And the 32 gig version has 3G and Wi-Fi connectivity, the smaller 8 gig capacity, uh, not smaller device, smaller capacity, same size device with 8 gig of uh, memory that only has Wi-Fi 
connectivity. Now, how much does it cost? Before I tell you that, it does have what uh, a feature called WhisperSync. Now, there's a growing trend of people listening to their books. Uh, there's a little company called Audible, which is the biggest audio book uh, library on on Earth, and that happens to be owned by. You guessed it, Amazon, which creates the Kindle Oasis. So with WhisperSync, it can save the place in your book. Say you've got the book on your Kindle and you're listening to the book as well. WhisperSync saves the place in your book, whether you are reading it or listening to it, which is a great feature. So if you're in the car, you can't read in the car, you can listen in your car. So if you're in the car, you get out, you may be uh, you know, you're out somewhere else and you've got a chance to read it. You can't hear it, and it'll put you back right where you left off while you were listening, and vice versa. So if you're reading, say you you jump off a plane and you've been reading, and then you hop in your car, and then you're suddenly listening, it'll pick it up where you left off. I think that's a great feature. Now, the price. You can pre-order it now. It's going to be available later this month. Three eighty nine for the 8-gig Kindle Oasis with Wi-Fi only. You want to jump up to the 32 gig with Wi-Fi and free cellular connectivity, you're looking at 529 bucks. Not cheap, but if you're an avid reader, it is a brilliant device to have in your pocket. By your side, every book you own could be sitting on that device. You want to read more about that and see some pictures of this uh, the new device, the Kindle Oasis, you can find it at techguide.com.au. Keeping you updated and educated. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fenning. Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton, the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. There's lots of valuable stuff stored on your computer. You think about it. Family photos, videos, tax and important work documents. Well, imagine this scenario that they're all gone, encrypted and impossible to retrieve. Well, what I've just described is a common thing called ransomware. That's a malware that locks you out of your own files and then asks you to pay up or lose access to them forever. Unfortunately, ransomware is on the rise here in Australia. In fact, Australia is now the most targeted country for ransomware attacks in the Southern Hemisphere. Norton Security Premium is a powerful internet security solution that can help keep you safe from ransomware. It blocks dangerous files, it warns you against dodgy links before you click, and backs up your files from your PC to the cloud so you'll have a copy of everything if anything goes wrong. To learn more about how to protect your online life, visit au.norton.com. Now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. A couple of quick ones on the Tech Guide Help Desk. I'm getting a lot of emails. People are, they must be seeing ads on Facebook and other areas, even, I think, on, on various sites, uh, advertising these various TV boxes. Now, these, these are boxes that run Android, and they promise the world's channels and free movies and all those sorts of things. And I, I have had a lot of people asking me, is this legit? Is it real? And can I use it? Well, the answer is, yes, it is legit. Yes, it is real, and yes, you can use it. And th- these are they're sold as media streaming boxes. They're also called Kodi boxes. That's spelled K-O-D-I, Kodi boxes. Now, these are running Android, as I said, and it does give you access to a lot of apps and a lot of things that allow you to access illegal content. I'm just putting it out there that, yes, you can watch these movies for free, but you're actually stealing it. The, there's a lot of, the, especially the Kodi app, which is uh, has this um, 
tremendous following where it allows you to install channels and content and it's all coming from somewhere. Uh, there are apps as well that put up the latest movies, TV shows. And what they're doing is basically tapping into all the torrents. So you're kind of streaming stuff illegally if you are, you're getting it for nothing. So yes, it exists. Yes, it's real. But think about it. Do you want to steal content? You might, if you if you want to do that, you might as well steal it on your computer. Uh, except you can't connect your computer as easily to your TV. That's the attraction of this thing. So think about it they are inexpensive and kind of leads me on to the next part of the help desk about make they do make your TV smart they put YouTube on there they put Netflix on there which you can then log in with your normal credentials and everything's normal and legal you can do that but there are ways you can break the law you can be accessing this content but unfortunately it isn't legal so really think about it uh, it's like everything if it's used properly it's fine if they abuse it and use it illegally, then we've got a problem. So think about how you want to use it if you do want to go down that path, but be careful. Uh, now, I touched on, uh, I do have other, I have had other questions asking. They do, people who have a slightly older TVs, uh, and but they're not smart TVs. They want to make them smart. How do they do it? Well, several ways you can do that. Well, you can buy uh, an Apple TV that can connect your your TV to the internet and access lots of content. You can also buy Blu-ray players with Wi-Fi connectivity or a set-top box with similar connectivity, and that not only provides they're connected to the internet, the the set-top box or the players connected to your TV, and whammo, your TV's on the internet. Uh, also included is like a smart interface that includes on lots of Blu-ray players and 4K players for that matter, Netflix, Stand, all these, these apps that you can use on a smart TV. If you just connect it to your existing TV, you are going to access all of that content as well. So it makes your TV smart. Lots of those products, and I've written about all of them over the last few months and years at techguide.com.au. Well, that's the end of our bumper show for this week. You can read about everything, of course, that we've talked about at techguide.com.au. And if you want to get in touch with us, we can you can do it in a couple of ways. You can email us, info at techguide.com.au. Or if you want to hear your voice on the Tech Guide podcast, you can download the Voice Byte app. Now, I co-created this app, so I kind of love it. Free on iOS and Android. And it will allow you to ask me a tech question, maybe give me your own 15-second review of a product, uh, tell me whatever you like, 15-second recording. So you download the app, it's free, you type in, uh, there's three hashtags to choose from, Ask Stephen Tech Guide or Tech Guide Review, and you can simply then record your content, slide to broadcast, and I will get that content and play it on the Tech Guide podcast. So if you want to hear your voice on the Tech Guide podcast, that is the way to do it. We want to hear from our our, read, our listeners. We want you to be a part of the program. So hopefully you can do that. Download Voice by it right now. We want to give a special thanks to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that helps keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then... Stay safe and stay connected. 